This is the Veritable Veteran Podcast, bringing truth and exposure to the struggles veterans and their families face post-military. Depression. Anger. PTSD. Suicide. Who am I? What do I do now? Hey guys, and welcome to episode one of the Veritable Veteran Podcast. This podcast, I really want it to be about just being open and real and raw with the emotions veterans feel after leaving the military and attempting to work their way back into civilian life. There's a lot of things that veterans feel that they they think they're the only ones that feel it. So I want to discuss those feelings and those emotions and point out to them and everyone else that they're not alone. So as we proceed through this episode and getting into other episodes, we're going to get into different topics, different uh, questions you guys might have. I'll be doing some interviews with some really cool people So we're going to cover a wide range of topics, but we're going to focus on veterans and their families, Uh, just helping them work through their emotions, helping them support each other, the veterans supporting their spouses and the spouses supporting their veterans through this transition out of the military into the civilian life, into the civilian world again. Uh, Some people like me, I joined the military right out of high school. My entire adult life uh, to the point that I got out of the military was spent in the military. That's all I knew. I didn't know what it was like to to be on my own from my family other than being in the military. I spent 11 years or most of 11 years of my life in the Marine Corps, moving around from you know unit to unit and base to base, got married while I was in, had kids while I was in. And when I got out, it was like, it was a culture shock. It was almost as much of a culture shock as going into the military for me. I went to a small Christian school, grew up in a Christian home, went to church. So when I joined the military, it was a a, a big culture shock to me. Just the, the language people used, the things they talked about, the way they talked, the way they acted really just shocked me. So it took a while to get acclimated to that way of life. Fast forward 11 years to when I got out of the military. I'm completely acclimated to this military lifestyle. And now I leave and I'm back in the civilian world. The way people talk, the things they talk about, the way they act, all of that is different. So I'm going through that again. And then I go to get a job. And the people that I'm working with There's no commonality of purpose in a lot of jobs, not all jobs, but in a lot of jobs, it's what can I do for me? In the military, you have those people that that's what they think about. And that may be a lot of the underlying motivation for a lot of things. But generally, the motivation is the unit has to succeed. The team has to succeed. We have to succeed as a group, not as individuals. Individuals can succeed all the time, but it's not going to help anyone. 
it's only going to help that person. But even that person is going to struggle or fail or, you know, in a lot of cases die if the unit doesn't succeed. So they can't focus on individual success. They have to focus on, in the military, they have to focus on succeeding as a team. In the civilian world, a lot of jobs that, you know, not law enforcement or, you know, firefighters or anything, things like that, there's a lot of jobs that do require working as a team. But a lot of the jobs in the civilian world are all about me, 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 and the individual. Going from a team that was extremely motivated to succeed as a team and having that driving force behind you of I can't fail or I'll let my buddies down. I can't fail or I'll fail the mission. You get into the civilian world and that motivation is not there. Now, if you have a family, you have the motivation of I can't fail because I'm, I need to provide for my family. There's also more of a lack of security. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Lack of security in the civilian world because you don't have the job security you have in the military. You have to do something pretty heinous to get fired from the military. Even if you do something dumb, they're still going to keep you around and they'll punish you and you know, you'll, you'll pay for it, but they're not going to fire you. You may get paid less, but you'll still be getting paid. Uh, so outside of the military, you screw up. I mean, you can get fired like in a heartbeat. So that lack of security is there as well. So guys are walking, you know, guys and girls, veterans. If I say guys, I just mean people in general. They're walking on eggshells. Uh, at work and they're not comfortable, they're not happy. And they, I mean, they question their decision to, to join this, uh, this workforce or, you know, to do this job or to take this position, because a lot of times the only reason they took that position is to provide for their family. The only reason I took the position I got selling insurance was to provide for my family. I don't want to sell insurance. I just came from an elite warfighting organization to Hi, my name's Evan, and I work for insurance company X, and I would love to schedule an appointment with you to sit down and discuss your options. And they say yes or no, and then I'm like, okay, cool, bye, and I drive to the next one. So it was really difficult for me because it, they tried to push this whole team mindset, but it was it was fake, and it drove me up a wall. But a lot of guys' plans when they get out of the military, fall apart very quickly, which should not be surprising to people in the military, especially those in combat arms, because we're always taught you have a plan and then you have a backup plan and you have a backup for the backup plan because your first plan is never going to survive first contact with the enemy. Okay, It's never going to work. So we get taught this, but when we get out of the military or we go to move into a new sector of life, we're surprised when our plan fails. And we sit there and we think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You go to your backup plan if you have one. If you don't, well, you better come up with one pretty quick because you're going to need it. But we're, we're just, we're shocked that our first plan doesn't work. And that happened to me. I, I, again, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not just saying these things because, you know, I read a book once. I'm, I'm talking from experience. We got out of the military, my wife and I and my kids got out of the military. Initially, I wanted to be a, a state trooper in Pennsylvania. So I took the pre-test for the test and I passed it, got a date to go for a, uh, the actual test, you know, to move forward in the, the hiring process. A couple of months before we got out, we felt 
that we were not supposed to be going to Pennsylvania, but we weren't sure where to go. So we started praying about it. And God told my wife and I separately that we needed to go to Oklahoma. And I thought, Oklahoma? Why on God's green earth would I go to Oklahoma? But so here we are. And we both came to this conclusion separately. And we started talking one day and we're like, I think we're supposed to go to Oklahoma. And my wife's like, yeah, I agree. So we moved to Oklahoma. My wife moves out here uh, before I did, while I finished out my enlistment. I move out here and our plan was I had enrolled in school. So we were going to use the GI Bill as income to help us purchase a house. We found out very suddenly and in probably the worst way possible that the GI Bill does not count as income. So if you're planning on using the GI Bill as income, it is not considered income on any kind of application. So don't do that. Mistake number one. So we got deep into this process of buying a house to find out we weren't going to be able to do that. So that was mistake number one. We were forced to move in with my sister-in-law, which, you know, extremely thankful to her for allowing us to live with her for, I think we were there for a month and a half or two months. I can't remember the exact amount of time looking for a place to rent. We finally found a place. I was looking for a job. Again, I was going to school. I had a potential job lined up at an exterminating company. Was not thrilled about it, but I was, you know, well, I got to take a job. I got to make money. Got offered another job selling insurance. Was also not too thrilled about it, but I figured it'd be better than crawling under dirty houses and spraying for bugs. So I took the insurance job and began working that. Hated just about every minute of it. Spent a lot of time in my car alone, which was a very bad place for me to be at that time. I needed to be, looking back, I needed to have been surrounded by people I could talk to and describe my feelings to, and I was not. I was not around any of my family. I had friends I could call on the phone, but I didn't know anyone in the area, except for my sister-in-law and my family, my wife and my kids. So... It was a very difficult time for me to be alone. And it started, that started really affecting me because I started turning to alcohol. I had already been struggling with alcohol for my time in the military, which most people that have been in the military understand uh, alcohol is a pervasive issue. The abuse of alcohol is a pervasive issue. And I was abusing it heavily uh, after my wife left California to move to Oklahoma and I was there by myself. I was, one, I was upset that my family was gone because I don't like being alone. Two, I was freaking out because I was getting out of the military and I didn't know where we were going to live, what job I was going to do, how we were going to have insurance, what my wife was going to do, if I was going to be able to provide for my family. And I had no idea what I wanted to do outside of the military. Short term, yeah, I was like, well, I'll get a job at you know, exterminating bugs or selling insurance, but what, am I, what do I want to do? And I had no idea. So I started drinking just to kind of numb the, the pain because that, that was always my go-to was, well, just drink and you'll forget about your problems. So I started turning to that again while working the insurance job and that just caused everything to spiral even harder. So obviously drinking more did not help, big surprise, but... I continued because I didn't know what else to do. 
my main issue after leaving the military boiled down to one thing. I didn't know who I was. I left high school, graduated, joined the military at 18. I was a Marine. I spent 11 years as a Marine. When I got out, they always say once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Sure, whatever. But I was no longer surrounded by the other Marines and I could no longer say, I'm a Marine. I couldn't come out and say that. I would always say I was a Marine or I left the Marines or I was in the Marines. I never, I wasn't a Marine anymore. I was just Evan and I was just Joe Schmo. And man, that hurt. It was like a knife in my gut, just twisting. And I just, I had no idea who I was. My identity was wrapped up in what I was doing rather than something that actually defined who I was. And when that was taken away, when I stepped out of that role, it felt like my world caved in around me and I didn't know anything. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. And it was a dark place that I spent a lot of time in. And even, to make it even worse, I was by myself in my car most of the time, driving around looking for clients, which was a bad place for me to be. So it boiled down to my identity was wrapped up in what I had been doing, in being a Marine. And when that was taken away everything started falling apart. It was around this point um, that I made some big mistakes in my drinking and I damaged my marriage pretty significantly. I hurt my wife, not physically, but emotionally and scared her enough to where she was very adamant that I had to stop drinking. And I agreed with her and I said, okay, I need to I need to stop. And I started really working towards stopping. I was not successful. Uh, I continued to struggle with it because I continued to struggle with my identity. And I didn't really care that it was affecting her because I was more wrapped up in myself. But I was starting to realize this was a problem. And I was still working selling insurance, but I was settling into it a little bit. And then I got some news that shook me up really bad. I had served under a sergeant major. I'm not going to say his name here. Once I reach out to his family and confirm whether or not they want me to use his name, uh, I may use his name. I may not if they, if they tell me they don't want me to. But I served under a sergeant major, one of the most motivated and motivating people you would ever meet. He was... You know, as they say, he's gung-ho. He just loved everything about everything, it seemed like. And he was, I mean, he, he, you could be in the most miserable of situations, and he'd show up, and it was just like, well, everything just got a little bit better. Because he was funny, he was charismatic, he was motivating. Again, like I said, he was one of the most motivated and motivating people I've ever met. He had a nonprofit organization. He loved helping people. He had... 20 plus years experience and he retired from the military and he was in the civilian world for, he was, it was about six months and he killed himself. And that absolutely broke me 
because I thought, if he can't make it, how can I make it? If he can't, if he couldn't handle it, how am I supposed to handle it? And that sent me downward again. And I had a really hard time dealing with it. But then I started looking into the pervasiveness of veteran suicide and the need for veterans to address mental health and understanding that this is not an isolated issue. And I began to realize if he was struggling with it, everyone is struggling with it at some level. Not everybody struggles like I did. Not everybody struggles like he did. But at some level, it takes a toll on mental health. So what was I going to do about it? And that was when I decided I needed to try and just get my thoughts out there into the, into the, the world, onto the interwebs, and see if maybe something I said could help someone. So I started my page, my Veritable Veteran page, on Facebook, and made a couple of videos. You know, I had my friends liked the videos, and some people commented. And then a little while into it, it exploded into a really big thing. And everyone was... A lot of people were messaging me day and night asking me, hey, you know, how did you figure this out? Or why did you do this? Or what caused you to do this or think this? Or what helped you in this area? And I was so overwhelmed. I was like, oh my goodness, what did I just get into? But I realized there was almost nobody speaking about this stuff. And I realized this is how I can help. And I started to understand a little bit about what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was I really wanted to help people, specifically veterans. And had I not gone through the things that I went through, I wouldn't be able to help veterans the way that I can now. Because speaking from a perspective of I've gone through it, I've been there, I've felt the pain that you're feeling is a lot different than someone who speaks from a perspective of I read a book once or I went to school I studied this, I have a degree, I understand mental health, let me, let me help you because I'm smart. I would rather have somebody who has gone through it and trudged through it and slogged their way through the pain and the self-hate and the doubt and the rage. I'd rather have someone that's done it and been there than somebody who's read about it or taught a class about it. And that's when I realized I've been there. I haven't been as far down as some people have, and I know that. But I've been quite a ways down that road, and I want to help people turn around and get off of that road as quickly as possible, no matter where they are. And that's why I've decided to do this podcast. I've got a lot of things that I would like to say. Hopefully it'll help somebody out there. It may help one person. It might help a million people. I don't know. But even if it helps just one person, I'm still going to do it because I want to help. And you can say that sounds cheesy or fake, but it's true. So as we continue and I start recording more episodes, I'm going to try and be as real and as raw and as honest as I can. And some of the stuff that I talk about, some people are going to think that that's triggering If I'm going to talk about some things that could possibly trigger someone, I'll try and warn you guys beforehand. But I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat 
what's going on in my head and what I know is going on in other people's heads based on the conversations I've had with them. I love open, honest, real, raw people and having conversations with those people. I hope you guys do too, because that's what I want to do. And I want to just help bridge that gap to these veterans that think they're on their own and they're the only ones because that is our, our go-to response is I have to take care of this myself. And that is bred by the military lifestyle and mindset because weakness is not acceptable. So if weakness is found, it has to be taken care of or removed. So when we see weakness in ourselves, we automatically isolate and hide it because we can't let anybody else see it. And that is because of the lifestyle we led in the military. And I understand that need to suppress weakness. There comes a time when you have to just suck it up and move on, but you can only do that for so long. So at some point, we have to stand up and say, I need to talk about this. Because if you keep stuffing it down inside over and over and over and over again, eventually it's going to find a weak spot and it's going to punch its way through and it's going to come out and it's going to hurt. But if you are able to vent it in a controlled environment, it will help you. And that's what I want to try and do is even just me talking, putting words to hopefully what you guys are feeling and helping you can play this for someone and say, this is exactly how I feel. I just haven't been able to say it. Hopefully I can say it. And that's why I need you guys to message me and comment. And the more people that listen to these episodes and comment and message and follow and spread this around to their friends and their coworkers, the more impact it's going to have. So if you hear something on this episode or on these episodes on this show that you agree with or you relate to, please share it. And I'm not asking that from a selfish point of view. I'm not saying that because I want to get likes and shares and I want to become social media famous. I don't. What I want is for those people that need to hear this to be able to hear it. And I want to help you guys put words to the emotions you're feeling. And if that helps you, it'll help somebody else. So if you hear something that you like or that helps you and you want to play it for your family and you play it for them, just share it and say, hey, don't know if you're going to enjoy this, but it helped me. Maybe it can help you. And honestly, it might, again, it might only help one or two people. And I'm okay with that. God has called me to do this regardless of how many people it helps. But I feel like it's going to help a lot of people because I've put it in his hands, God's hands, and I've said, God, this is your podcast. Do with it what you can and what you will do with it. I'm simply the vessel that he's speaking through. So I really want you guys to join me on this. I'm really excited about the stuff we're going to get to talk about. I have so many thoughts and ideas running through my head. Um, Just stick with me and let's just do this together. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's see how many people we can help because I don't want to hear about another veteran killing themselves. It, it really, even to this day, it hurts. It hurts me. Even if I don't know him. I hate 
that some of the greatest people on earth are taking their own lives because they don't know what else to do. So I'm going to do my part. I'm asking that you guys do yours. Let's do this together. I love you guys. I'll see you next episode. Hey guys, quick reminder, if you enjoyed the episode today, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, go to whatever platform you listen to these podcasts on and leave a review. That's the best way to help us out. It gets a lot more traffic to us. So again, if you liked it, like, subscribe, and leave a review. Love you guys.